Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. All right, Jackson and I were doing some math in the uh, commercial break here. If you were to bet the five big underdogs tonight and put $100 on it, that's it. Five big underdogs this evening, for the record, being the Ducks, plus 425, Canadiens against the Devils, plus 290, Blues against the Hurricanes, plus 290, uh, Blackhawks against VGK, plus 240, and the Flyers against the Oilers, plus 260. $100 would pay you $98,000 if they were to all win. $98,000! Unbelievable. Now, on the other side of the coin... If you were to bet all favorites and parlay it, $100 would win you $228. And there is our delta. It's a fun sweat. There is our delta for a five-game parlay. (laughs) Sweet mother of mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now to talk it over is Chris Kerber. Morning, Kerbs. Tim, we have – so I love those kind of bets. I think they're fun. To me, that's kind of betting. I don't know. I'd do the hundred bucks, but I might do like the twenty, and that's okay. I'll take I'll take one fifth. I'll, I'll take the twenty grand instead of the hundred. But the uh, we went out to Vegas one time, and a group of us put like a six game parlay together, you know. And then of course, you know, not not on the Blues game, but some of the other games in the league. And one of them, we were it was a day game, and we were flying home. One game went into a shootout, and we won it. We needed this last game. By the time we landed and got home, we were home to watch the shootout. Oh, wow. And basically, a $100 bet ended up paying out something like about 4400 bucks. You oh, know, my and, word. And there were like six of us that chipped in 10 bucks each just to have some fun with it. Like, it was fantastic. Those are fun. Holy crap. Party bet. Yeah, I, I kind fun. of agree on this this five-team underdog thing. First off, you're betting on the Blues tonight. But then also, 20 bucks. Twenty grand, yeah. yeah. Nice little turn oh, of events. Oh, have some, hell, have some fun with it. Yeah, you know. That, I, that, I, that's all right, I think I'm going to go do that's it. That's the point of the betting and the entertainment too. That people have to, you know. I know all the ads say that, but, but, but it really is true. Like, I mean, I know there are some that take it seriously and fun, but, but for me, it's sort of like, well, could I have fun with a bet like that, or do I go to a movie? And I think I'd rather have fun with a bet like that. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I could have a night's worth of a monster sweat. If this thing uh, if this thing hits, I'm gonna do it. All right, Jackson, we're gonna do it. All right, there we go. Chris Kerber with us here, joining us every Tuesday on Balloon Party. It's our uh, first chance to talk it over since the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Talked with Jeremy Rutherford yesterday, and he said he said it was almost unanimous, as a matter of fact, because he couldn't think of one negative email or tweet he had received, which really surprised me. That the fan base with which he communicated, it's not like they're like good. O'Reilly's gone, but they understand and therefore are on board. Um, what are your thoughts on what has transpired and in uh, the reaction of the fan base? Uh, I, you know, I haven't had a ton of interaction with the fan base, but I do believe that that is the case. Um, you know, I, I think there is an understanding, but I'll tell you another aspect of this. And, you know, I, I realize that, you know, social media hasn't been around all that long. Okay, so it's very different. The social media posts that I have seen from fans, from people about, you know, just like the the thank you, Ryan, the pictures with Ryan O'Reilly, that this guy was just like, 
It was so overwhelmingly, genuinely positive and feel good. I'm, I was just trying to think like I haven't, I don't remember seeing something quite like that before. And and obviously it's it's not fair to compare another era, you know, like he, I'm, I'm sure it would have been quite like that when the chaser, you know, left right for Hartford right, and, right. but social media wasn't around. Right. Um, but, but that's, that's what's jumping off the page to me. Here's even now I'm still seeing posts, you know, and, and, from some that met him, some that didn't. It, it's really quite – it speaks volumes to the type of person he was and the impact he had. And, and yeah, okay, the, the Stanley Cup champion of Cons might suck. All that's a, a critical part of it. But th- this is just more about the type of person. And, look, the team was on – that team lost. Ryan O'Reilly went out and, and met with the media. And he'd tell people, no, I'll meet with the media, I'll meet with the media. Okay? All right? I know it was put out there that, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko was upset that he didn't, you know, that he wasn't uh, considered more for the captain spot, you know, when, when O'Reilly got it. But Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't the guy that would stand up and, and go say, I'm talking to the media, right? right. Um, and things. So, you know, for me, the loss of Ryan O'Reilly is much harder felt in this room than the loss of Vladimir Tarasenko. I think because of some of that leadership quality that he brought. But I do agree with you. I do believe that, for the most part, this fan base uh, is understanding. They, they Look, they know from whether it's Cardinals, Blues, whatever, unrestricted free agencies, that, that makes a difference, you know, and, and, and how it goes. And it's an interesting time, Tim, because you have to decide, do you re-sign 30, 31? I, I just talked to you. Here's a great example. I literally just minutes ago, finished about a 10-minute conversation with Paul Stastny, who's playing here mm-hmm. in Carolina, okay? And Paul was saying, he goes, no, the team we have here is a lot like our teams that we're winning in St. Louis. He goes, we're deep. He goes, but we've got that great group of guys between like 26 and 30. And and he mentioned that age group. Well, that's where, you know, that's where Doug Armstrong has said, no, look, if he's going to make a trade for a hockey player right now rather than a draft pick, he wants a player in that, 25, 26 range with some term on his contract. And it, it kind of fits what Doug Armstrong said and what Paul Stassi said they have here in terms of a formula that is a winning formula now in the NHL. Yeah, it is amazing. That, that is, it is the target at this moment, and that's exactly what Doug Armstrong said in his comments on Saturday morning before the Blues uh, took on the Avalanche. Uh, and you, and you, you said it at the outset of your comments there, Curbs, that at this moment the Blues are in this transitional period. And he said it himself that you know we're going to know a lot more about the direction we're going to go uh, when August rolls around. I think we're going to yeah. have a better idea also uh, by the time March 3rd rolls around because perhaps – uh, somebody will come knocking on the door for somebody who's not an unrestricted free agent, not somebody who we've been talking about for a few months as a possible trade candidate. Uh, names starting to get floated out there of interest in, in Colton Pareko. Fans then opine on the direction it would go. The Blues are in a weird spot, though, because you have a bunch of dollars committed. You've just committed to Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, plus you have some money in that, that defensive core and Jordan Bennington. So it's not like it's going to be easy to turn the page. Um, but then at the same time, one might say, well, then it might not be as tough to get back to uh, a spot where you are competing in the Western Conference. How do you analyze what direction they could go and, and will go? Well, let me take this from a, a couple of angles, if you don't mind. Please. Um, first one is this. I compare what the Blues are going through now to 2005-2006 you're covering the team on the TV side, mm-hmm. Tim, and, and, like, and, 
And and you started to see it with with the retirement of Al McKinnis, the trade of Pronger. Okay, and you know, and 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 you know, Keith Kachuk is at the end of his career. You've traded Doug Waite. You know, all all that scenario. Okay. When the Blues went to dead last in the league in 05-06, the cupboard was bare. There weren't prospects. The roster didn't have anything really going at that point in time. I mean, it was a team that you could tell was going to be in a struggle. And they go to last in the league. So when they started drafting Eric Johnson, uh, that's when you started to rebuild the draft picks. And you traded Keith Kachuk. You traded Doug Waite. You used the draft pick of Bill Guerin to get David Perron. You ended up with three draft picks, for example, in 07. Last time the Blues have had three first-round draft picks. Um, but the key to success for the Blues there was Yarmo Kekalainen was an absolute magician picking David Perron, TJ Oshie, Patrick Berglund, all in the 20s, right? Yeah. Uh, not, not top 10, all in the 20s. I mean, it's amazing. You've heard me say this stat till I'm blue in the face. Rod Brindamore is out here for the Carolina Hurricanes. That's the last forward the Blues took with a top 10 pick in the draft. Uh-huh. It was Rod Brindamore. They've only had five top 10 picks. The Ottawa team we played yesterday, right, had, has had six top 10 picks in the last 11 years, right? Blues have only had five since 1989 because they've been a good competitive team. The difference between 05, 06, and now, to me, is the fact that the cupboard isn't bare. The roster isn't bare. Like you said, you still have Thomas. You have Kyrie. You've got point-per-game players locked in with skill. You have Butch Navich. You still have Saad for a couple more years. You have Braden Chen for five more years, who very likely could end up being your next captain, right? Mm-hmm. You've got so, – so look at that from a forward standpoint. The defense, if they don't, they don't make a move, and at some point i got to think they do because I don't think they're happy with the way this is gelled, but the defense is set. I mean, if you can't move one of those contracts. And you've got pretty damn good experience on the defensive side. You've got a Stanley Cup winning goaltender in Jordan Bennington. On top of that, you've got Jimmy Snuggerud, who, who I was told was the second or third best forward just now in the, in the World Junior Championships that just happened. Uh, you, you've got Zach Bolduc. Right, and now you've got three first-round draft picks you can either use for players or you or you trade for somebody. But you've got equity that you didn't have. It's a totally different scenario than 0506. So the key is to wrap this up in a bowl for you. Like like Doug Armstrong said, we've got a group of season ticket holders here uh, that travel down that cheering as the Blues come on for warm-ups today. Um, the, the the key is is what does Doug do? And even he told us he goes, look, we don't know. I don't know what this scenario is going to be just yet. Uh, because, for example, let me throw you a pie-in-the-sky scenario. Mm-hmm. Timo Meyer, the San Jose Sharks want to trade Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. He's a restricted free agent. You want to sign him, you want to make him an offer sheet, you're going to have to make an offer sheet of $10 million because while his cap is low, his salary is high, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talk going around. Well, the Blues actually, he's, a, he's an RFA. The Blues actually have capital to be in the, in, in, in on the, the chance at, at a Timo Meyer. They have prospects. They have draft picks. Yeah. And that could be a player that instead of waiting four or five years for a draft pick to make it to the NHL, that's a player that is a star right now. So put all that together, I think it's a much different scenario, but a critical stretch of decision-making time for Doug Armstrong because if you do make a couple of mistakes in those decisions, then it really sets you back. But I think the Blues are poised for, um, for – I'd say a, a much quicker retool than some of these other teams have done. Great summary of the situation. Way, I apologize for that, but that's 
that's kind of a way of looking. No, at it. I, I enjoyed it. You, you tended to, you, te- you tended to the question, sir. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I, I listen. If I have my choice, I'll take Stanley Cup playoff hockey, just like anybody else listening right now, Blues fan or otherwise. Uh, but the the business side of it and how the Blues negotiate this set of circumstances uh, and how Doug Armstrong threads the needle with the draft capital uh, is going to be truly fascinating to watch. And like you said, it is well, different me, than what 17 years sorry. ago. Yeah, sorry. Let me let me jump in with this one. I'm gonna, here's, here's the difference, and this is something that I know like Blues fans, are, you know, and they say, well, Doug Armstrong, you know, some good moves, some bad, whatever it may be. All right? Here's the difference in an experienced general manager that's going to be able to pull you through this. One, he knows exactly what this organization has. They've got an inexperienced general manager in Chicago that had two of the biggest assets from the beginning of the year on. Now, they totally controlled their own destiny, so it's not a complete Ryan O'Reilly situation, okay? But they had Taves and Kane, right? Mm-hmm. An inexperienced general manager comes in. Patrick Kane says, I'll go to New York. Doug Armstrong gets a deal done for a little less than what the Blackhawks were asking for, and all of a sudden Kane is not an option for the New York Rangers or at the at a decent price point, right? Yeah. Then the same thing turns around and happens to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Doug Armstrong gets in there and gets two first-round draft picks, some other draft picks, a couple prospects to help the organization at the minor league level, right? And he gets those deals done. He makes them two weeks before the trade deadline, right, before the bidding changes, or an opportunity is lost, which is key here, right? Yeah. Or an, a trade opportunity is lost because a team makes a deal with another team, right? So, you know, all of a sudden, if, if the Chicago Blackhawks wanted a first-round pick from the New York Rangers – yeah, they do have one, so they could still go after Kane, right? But uh, the, the chances are a lot less likely of it because now you got to figure out cap situation too. So um, the experience of Doug Armstrong has really shown big time here in these first couple trades, and I think it's something that Blues fans, I think, can have some confidence in. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why people are at peace, relatively speaking, not necessarily with the season, but that the moves – that have been made. More to come, I'm sure, between now and March 3rd. A fascinating set of days ahead, not just between now and the trade deadline, but this coming offseason. Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN every Tuesday. Kerbs, thanks so much for the time as always, sir. Enjoyed the conversation. All right, fellas. Good luck with the underdogs tonight. Thank you. Thank you. 20K on the line. That's Chris Kerber with us uh, here live from Carolina Blues and Hurricanes. Uh, I'm I'm primed now for this little piddle's Sports, Sports business, business newsletter. Newsletter that is uh, coming up. Yeah, I, listen. I want to reemphasize it, and I think people know where I'm coming from with it. Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Even when the Blues aren't playing, it is. It's a dopamine hit every night. You'd be flipping around. It's the best, man. When you get to a team that's on, you know, that is staving off, mm. staving off elimination. You've got that on the line. It's it's as intense as it gets in sports, from my standpoint. So I hate that the Blues, barring a huge miracle, will not be a part of it this April. With that said, I truly am intrigued to see how they handle this set of circumstances because they're going to have to be active. It's just a matter of what direction they are going to be active. It is, as Chris Kerber said, a number of people have said, it is a pivotal moment in this organization's history. All right, so we are primed for the Little Piddles Sports Business Newsletter. It is coming your way next. A lot, a lot of meat on the burner tribute to Ron Karan with the uh, Sports Business Newsletter. It is coming your way next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN.